for blessing us beyond measure with your word, for just prospering us from the inside out as we see Jesus in all of Scripture. God, we thank you that it is all about Jesus. Literally everything revolves around Jesus. And we thank you for showing him to us through your word where we have life. Thank you for blessing the people you have here for this appointed time, God, that they would come in here and they would have hope, a confident expectation of good when they leave, having met up with Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Thank you for going before us now. In Jesus' name, let the church say, amen. All right, Tabernacle of Grace. How many of you guys are aware that there's, there were two tabernacles going on side by side, like six miles apart? You guys know that back in the Old Testament? Well, let's get into the word and I'll show you why that's important. Amen. So we're going to go straight to Amos 9-11. Say 9-11. Anybody ever need to call 911? This is like those secret numbers in the Bible that people freak out about. 911. No, really, it's not. Don't, don't, it's not. All right. On that day, on that day, on that day, what day? 911. On that day. I'm just joking. I'm just <laughs> Y'all, y'all like, what's it mean? What's it mean? It's just 911. All right? Amos 9:11. On that day, I will raise up the tabernacle of who? David. On that day, I'm going to raise up the tabernacle of David, which has fallen down. That means at one time there was a tabernacle of David, but it's not anymore. But God's going to raise it back up on that day. All right? And and repair its damages. I will I will raise up its ruins and rebuild it as in the days of old that they may possess the remnant of Edom and all the Gentiles who are called by my name. So this is Old Testament, Amos. And and the Jewish people used to think that all this was going to happen for them. But here, God is prophesying that the Gentiles, the non-Jews, will also be blessed on that day. Amen? All right. Uh, Says the Lord who does this thing. That's awesome, right? That's such an important statement that you don't ever want to. Who does this thing? The Lord, he can do that. This is, this is for each and every one of you. No matter what you're going through, you need to claim that it's the Lord that's going to do this thing. And you know what? Else? What thing? Well, what if it doesn't work out the way you want? Good, because I know even if it, sometimes things don't work out the way we want, and then we get 10 years down the road, we look back and we go, thank God. Amen? So you got to know that God makes all things. This thing that he's going to do, it's going to be for you. And it's going to be for your benefit. Amen? That's beautiful. All right? Behold, the days are coming, says the Lord, when the plowman shall overtake the reaper. Now, let me just tell you this. <laughs> that doesn't mean that the plowman is going to run over the reapers. You're like, dude, that's gross, right? That's not what it means. What it means is that there used to be a, a plowing season, and then the reapers would come in and reap what was plowed, right? The blessings. Well, what he's saying here is that the blessings aren't going to stop. The the reapers aren't going to be able to get it all. It's going to be such a blessing that the reapers aren't going to be able to catch up to it. Isn't that beautiful? All right. Uh, And the treader of grapes, him who sows seed, the mountains shall drip with the sweet wine, and all the hills shall flow with it. All these blessings are going to come on that day when God raises up what? The tabernacle of David. All right. Acts 15 actually talks about this. So Acts 15, you got the disciples and you got people arguing about law, grace, law, grace, law, grace, right? Well, here's what Peter says. 
Now, therefore, why do you test God by putting a yoke on the neck of the disciples, which neither our fathers nor we were able to bear? He's talking about the law. He's like, why are you testing God by putting the law on, on us? Nobody could bear it. But we believe that through the, oh, there's that word. Can you say it, church? Can you say it, church? <laughs> grace. Great. The word that everybody's afraid of. Grace, right? I shouldn't say everybody. We ain't here, are we? No, right? Um, but we believe that through grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, we shall be saved in the same manner as they, meaning the fathers that fell asleep back in the past. Uh, then all the multitude kept silent, listened to Barnabas and Paul, declaring how many miracles and wonders God had worked through them among the Gentiles. Um, and after that, they had become silent. And here comes James, another disciple. James answered, saying, men and brethren, listen to me. Simon, that's Peter, has declared how God at the first visited the Gentiles to take out of them a people for his name. And with this the words of the prophets agree, just as it is written, and he quotes Amos. Same thing. The Jewish religious leadership thought that all these things were going to happen just for them. And, and James like, no, it's for the Gentiles too. It's for the non-Jews too. All these blessings that are going to come are for them too. Are you with me? And he goes, after this, I will return and I will rebuild the tabernacle of David, which has fallen down. I will rebuild its ruins and I will set it up, right? So that the rest of mankind may seek the Lord, even all the Gentiles, the non-Jews, who are called by my name, says the Lord, who does all these things. All right. So here we have the tabernacle of grace, the tabernacle of David. It's also the tabernacle that, that God had Moses set up. What is it? It's the Ark of the Covenant, right? So the Ark of the Covenant represents Jesus. The box itself is made out of wood, Arcadia wood, right? Which represents Christ's manhood. It's overlaid with gold, which represents Christ's deity. Amen? He's 100% man, he's 100% God. And then on top, you have the what? The mercy seat. That's where God meets with people, at the mercy seat. So you'll see that the mercy seat on top has two uh, cherubim, two Two cherubim with wings spread out, and where are their head looking? Where's their eyes looking? At the mercy seat, where blood is shed. They don't look up at the center, they look at the mercy seat. That's where the blood shed. That's where God meets you there when you realize you're forgiven. How many of you guys know that Christ is our mercy seat? That's where God the Father meets with us through Christ. He's the only way, the only way to get to God the Father, right? So you got the, the two cherubim that, that are looking down, their wings are spread over. And I want to show you in Scripture why this is important, that we meet with God right there at the mercy seat. Yes? Anybody want to know that? Come back next week. <laughs> You're like, I will, but I don't know if my alarm's going to go off. All right. Psalm 91. How many of you have heard of Psalm 91? So it's a prayer of protection. Anybody afraid of, of, of a certain coronavirus out there we should be thanking the lord that this is us this is us it's not for you church it's not for you he who dwells he who dwells in the secret place say secret place where's that don't we want to know where that is where's the secret place he who dwells that means he who who lodges at the secret place 
He who lodges at the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge and my fortress, my God in him I will trust, right? Surely he shall deliver you from the snare of the fowler and from the, per the perilous pestilence. He shall cover you with his feathers and under his wings you shall take refuge. His truth shall be your shield and buckler. That means when you sit at that mercy seat, that's the secret place where all your protection comes from. No disease, it doesn't say that disease won't come. It says it'll have no effect on you. It's out there, but it won't have an effect on you. Why? Because you're seated at the mercy seat. You're remembering all these things are given to you by Christ's blood. Amen? So that's important that we understand the mercy seat represents Jesus. That's why it's the tabernacle of grace. And at one time it was not. But God is, it says in that day, I will raise up the tabernacle of David. Amen? You with me? All right, so go back to Genesis 3, 4. The cherubim that are on top of it, right? It says here, after man fell and then man got cursed and they got kicked out of the garden, this is the first place you see cherubim, right? So he drove out man. And place cherubim. It's plural. It's not cherub. Cherubim. Right? Plural. Means there's at least two of them. At the east of the Garden of Eden. And a flaming sword which turned every way to guard the way to the tree of life. Notice it doesn't say the Garden of Eden. There were two trees that were very important in that garden. The tree of life and the tree of knowledge of good and evil. And because man chose to eat from the knowledge of good and evil, they were kicked out. They got kicked out of the garden. All those blessings that were already there, every day they woke up, everything was done for them. They were literally put in the finished work. And so, so they, they're, they're there, and then, they, and then they chose to eat from the, the tree of knowledge of good and evil. And God cursed man, kicked him out, said, from now on, by the sweat of your brow, you shall eat. Right? Well, notice that it says that those cherubim are guarding with a flaming sword they're guarding the way back to the tree of life. The tree of life represents Jesus. He is the way, the truth, and the life, right? He's, he's the tree of life. They just chose the wrong tree. So they're guarding it. No one can get back in it. Well, interesting, the last place that sword is mentioned in the Old Testament is found in Zechariah 13, 7. Look what it says. Awake, O sword, against my shepherd. Against the man who is my companion, says the Lord of hosts, strike the shepherd and the sheep will be scattered. Then I will turn my hand against the little ones. Now, turn my hand against the little ones looks pretty bad. But if you read it in the Hebrew, it literally means hand means favor. He's like, I will turn my favor. And the word against there is not there. Is it you that were there Wednesday night? We saw it. It's hand favor. And he's going to turn it to the little ones. Did, did God do that when Christ died and rose again? Yeah. So basically the, the sword that was meant to keep us out of the tree of life, Jesus took that sword for us so that we can go back to the tree of life. Who can say amen? Isn't that beautiful? So now when you go, oh, check this out. So this is after Jesus died he was put in the grave mary right mary so but mary stood outside the tomb weeping and as she wept she stooped down and looked into the tomb she and she saw two angels in white sitting 
one at the head and the other at the feet where the body of Jesus had lain. Do you know what Mary saw? She saw the mercy seat, the real mercy seat. Isn't that beautiful? And this is the first time you see angels sitting. Why are they sitting? The work is done. The work is finished. Isn't that beautiful? Mary saw the true mercy seat of the Ark of the Covenant, the true Ark. The, the, the Ark represents Jesus, the mercy seat especially. All right, so now when you go back to Psalm 91, he who dwells in the secret place of the Most High, if you, if you know that, that, that Christ has completely finished the work and he's blessed you beyond measure, all those blessings in Psalm 91 are yours, but the first place is the key. You got to find the secret place. Well, now we know the secret place is the mercy seat because the enemy will say you don't deserve it based on your actions. But grace says you do deserve it based on what Christ did. Amen? We don't deserve all the blessings we have. We don't. But what Christ did, he gave them to us freely. Say freely. We have all the blessings of Abraham. None of the curses. And if you want to be protected, you got to meet God at the mercy seat. What does that mean for us today? you got to meet him where Jesus is. Where Jesus is right now. Is he alive today, church? Yes. Is he perfect today, church? Yes. Is there any disease that's overtaking him today? Has death overcome him? No. Does he lack anything? No. Well, neither do you, church. Because as he is, so are we. Where? Right here on this earth. That's how God sees us. Isn't that beautiful? So let's talk about David. Now, David says, but you, but now your kingdom, this is first uh, Samuel 3, 13, 14. But now your kingdom shall not continue. Thomas Saul, right? Uh, the Lord has sought for himself a man after his own heart. How many of you guys have heard David is a man after God's own heart? Yeah. Why? Why is David? God's no respecter of person. David must have done something. Why did David, David's the only one that got, that, that, the Bible says God liked David. It's, God loves everybody, right? But it says he liked David. Now, I love everybody, but there's some people I like, and there's some that are, are uh, I, I love everybody. Amen? But you know what I'm saying. Anybody got family? <laughs> I love everybody, but there's some, right? Anyway, uh, thank you, Jesus. <laughs> God liked David. There was a reason why God liked David. I'm going to show you why. All right? Show you why God liked David. Why did God like David? Let me show you. All right. Look at 1 Samuel 7 2. So it was that the ark remained in Kerchath, Jerem, a long time. It was there 20 years. And all the house of Israel, they lamented over, uh, 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 after the Lord. It means that, that they were wailing. Because why? The ark wasn't there. Where was the ark? It was in a different city. It had been there for 20 years. Saul never went to go get it. He never thought about going to get it. This is how, how important the ark is to God. Right? But they just left it there. Saul never went and got it. What does David do? He wants to go get it. So he's got the same heart as God the Father because he wanted to go get the ark. You see it? All right. Uh, 2 Samuel 6. You guys can read the, all this. The story is a beautiful story, right? Uh, so they went and got it. 
Now it was told King David, saying, The Lord has blessed the house of Obed-Edom and all that belongs to him because of the... Let me tell you something. Your whole house is blessed because of Jesus Christ. The whole house, your whole family is blessed because of Jesus Christ. That's literally what it's saying, right? Um, so David went and brought up the ark of God from the house of Obed-Edom to the city of... What city is that? Bethlehem. Bethlehem. He went and got it with gladness. He went and got the ark. The ark was gone for 20-something years. He went and got it. He's got the same heart as God the Father. Go get Jesus and bring him back and put him center in your life. Center in your house. Amen? All right. So, uh, verse 17. So they brought the ark of the Lord and set it in its place in the midst of the tabernacle that David had erected for it. Then David offered burnt offerings and peace offerings before the Lord. So this is where David's uh, tabernacle comes from. They went and got it, put it down. David put a tent around it, right? Or David had a tent built and the ark went in it. So when you see tabernacle of David, this is what he's talking about. You with me? Everybody with me? All right. Let me show you this. This is Moses' tabernacle. Do you remember the story of Balaam? When, when the Moab guy asked him to curse the people of Israel, and he brought them up to a high place, and he looked down, and that's how the camp looked. You, in Scripture, you can, you can look this up. The, the way the camp is ordered, like this many are on this side, on the east side, this many on the right side, top, bottom. It's a shape of what? To cross. So when Balaam looked down, he said, man, I cannot curse these people. I can only bless them. Why? He saw the cross. Right? So what's in the middle? What's up there in the middle? That's the temple. That's the tabernacle where Moses had built, right? So you got the temple. What's the problem with the temple there? There's, a, there's an issue with the temple of the old covenant. No one can go in unless you're a priest. No one was qualified. And man was on the outside. Man can go in the outer court. They might even get to the inner court. But they cannot get to the Holy of Holies unless you're a priest. And, and it's so stringent that even if a priest went in there and he had a bad thought, guess what? He had to come out and wash again. That's how holy it is. That's why nobody, not just anybody was qualified. You had to be a priest to go in there. A priest went in there and, and got mad at his wife in his head. Guess what? Hey, he had to come out. If he went in there and went, he had to come out. That's how holy this place was. You had to be straight up clean. You had to go through this whole process in order to get into the Holy Holies. Are you with me? Is that a problem for us? <laughs> yeah. We can't boldly go to God, the Father, because Old Covenant, the tabernacle of Moses, had all these things where no one was qualified. That's what the law was designed to do. This law was designed to tell you you're not qualified, and you need somebody that can qualify you. What's his name? Jesus. Amen. He qualified us. He made us perfect. He allowed us to go in. So this is the tabernacle of David. You got the tabernacle of Moses. It's guarded. Literally, you got outer court, inner court, holy of holies. You got to get right before you can go in there, but you have to be a priest. 
But David's is different. Look, it's open. It's wide open. Anybody can go. You know how I know that? Let's go back. Second Samuel 6. Then David danced before the Lord with all his might, and David was wearing what? Underwear. Can you imagine David being able to go into the Holy of Holies in Moses' tabernacle? What would happen if he went in there dancing in his underwear? He'd, he'd die. He's got sin on him. There's nothing clean about a man dancing around in his underwear. And what about all the other people? Was it just David? No, look at this. Uh, so David and say all. All the house of Israel brought up the ark of the Lord with shouting and with the sound of a trumpet. They were literally worshiping the ark, the tabernacle of David. Strong contrast between the tabernacle of Moses and the tabernacle of David. Amen? Because these people... There were kings that were bound, that king would bow down to this thing. Uh, David would bow down to this thing. And, and they all had sin, but none of them died. They worshipped. They worshipped. Isn't that beautiful? I love that, man. So that's why, that's the ark, by the way, or the tabernacle, that, that God's going to raise up on the last day. Last days. On that day, I will raise up the tabernacle of David, the one where everybody can freely come to. And worship. We know that that ark means who? It's Jesus. We get the benefit to look back and see all this now. We know that Christ has made the way. Christ took the sword. We have access to the tree of life again. And when you feed from the tree of life, guess what you get? Life. Amen? Two tabernacles, six miles apart. Most commentaries say they were six miles apart. You had the tabernacle of Moses, but the problem with that was there was no ark. It was in the city of David now. It was in Bethlehem, right? Two tabernacles going on at the same time. This one over here, Moses, the people are working. They're still chopping up animals. They're still going through all the sacrifices, but Jesus isn't there. It's a picture of work, 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 work. Over here, there's no work. They're just worshiping. It's a picture of what we do under Christ. We, we just worship. Amen? We have free access. Check this out. The difference. Moses, his tabernacle began at Mount Sinai. The mountain where God said, hey, if you touch it, you will die. Black smoke. Tornado activity. Tornadic. I need a green screen behind me so I can... I'd be a good weatherman. There's a tornado coming. Get low. Anyway, back to David. David's began where? Mount Zion. You know that's the mountain that God's on today? Your Bible tells you that in Hebrews. He said, man, we're not on that old mountain where, where it's smoke and, and God said don't touch it. We're at Mount Zion where there's life. Jesus is there. The angels are there. God's there. Everybody's there. Mount Zion. There was a thick veil where Moses was, you remember? There's no veil under the tabernacle of David. It's open. Aaron was the priest back then. David, Melchizedek. Today, Christ has, has blessed him. He's the high priest out of the order of Melchizedek, the one who only blesses. Aaron would bless and curse based on what you did. Melchizedek only blesses, no curses. 
How many of you guys know that Christ took your curse? There's no more curse for you in Christ. Woo! No access under Moses, but free access under the tabernacle of grace. It's unfinished work. I already said that earlier, man. They're continuously working, and, 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 and they're working, 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 but there's no Jesus in there, right? The finished work is where David was. That's why he was able to stand in front of it. He wasn't a high priest. All right? Death. De animals being sacrificed. Blood being shed over here. It's a new and living way, the Bible calls it. Because of the shed blood of Jesus, the veil was torn. Now we have a new and living way. Amen? Are y'all not excited about this stuff? <laughs> Look at Hebrews 10, verse 19. Therefore, brethren, having boldness, boldness to enter the holiest of holies by the blood of Jesus. How many of you guys have ever been afraid to talk to God because you're looking at your sin? You, you feel shame. You feel guilt. You feel like God's not going to bless you because of that. You feel like God's not going to listen to you until you get right. You will never get right. Ever. Ever, 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 ever. You won't. You can try your hardest. You still cannot be perfected on your own efforts. But under grace, you can be. By the blood of Jesus, we can go in there boldly, not looking at our sin, but looking at our Savior. Right? Um, by a, a new, that means there was one time an old way. We had to go through the priest and all the rituals. But by a new and living way, which he Concentrate, consecrated for us through the veil that is his flesh. When his body was ripped open, we got access to the Father. Access, free access. Even though we sin, even though we have sin on us, even though we're not perfectly clean, he sees us as perfectly clean because he's looking at us through the prism of the blood of Jesus. Amen? All right. So whenever you see a therefore, you got to find out why it's there for, right? Therefore, brethren, we can have boldness. We can now go in by a new and living way. How is that? He's a holy God. Well, Hebrews chapter 10 doesn't start with verse 19, does it? Yeah, smart bunch. Look at this, verse 1. <laughs> for the law, for the law having a shadow of the good things to come. And not the very image of the things can never with these same sacrifices which they offer continually year by year make those who approach what? Perfect. This is the tabernacle of Moses. All the sacrifices could never make those people perfect. Because every year there was a reminder of sins. Yom Kippur, they come together. They have a lamb that, that represents them. They, they, they kill it. And, it. and if the lamb is, is spotless, they're blessed for a year. But then they got to do it all over again. Amen. If you're the high priest that represents a bunch of people, if you were not perfect, they would, they would not be blessed. Right? But our high priest is perfect. And because he's perfect, we are blessed. Right? So perfect in regards to what? Well, the chapter before this talks about perfect in regards to conscience. Conscience. A perfect conscience means that you're not sin-minded. You're not evil-minded all the time. Right? So, uh, for them would they not have ceased to be offered for the worshipers once purified would have had no more 
Consciousness of sin. But in those sacrifices, there's a reminder of sins every year. See that? Under that old covenant, that old tabernacle of Moses, every year there's a reminder of sins. But the Bible says, man, if you, if you understand what Christ did, that law is just a shadow of what Christ did, we should have no more consciousness of sins. You shouldn't be dwelling on your failures. That's literally what it's saying. Drop down to verse 9. It says, then, then he said, behold, I have come to do your will, O God. People say, man, if it's God's will, if it's God's will, if it's God's will to bless you, you'll be blessed. If it's God's will to take you out, he'll take you out. I used to just buy it because a pastor was saying it. I'm like, wow. Who wants to? Anybody want to say amen to that? You don't feel like saying amen to that. You're like, amen says, let it be to me as you say. <laughs> I don't want to die. Right? So when it says uh, the will of God, we, we need to know what the will of God is. It tells us. Tell them people that when they say, if it's the will of God. Do you even know what the will of God is? I don't know. Well, let me show you. And you take them to Hebrews 10. Behold, I have come to do your will, O God. What? What is his will? He takes away the first that he may establish a second. What does that mean? We just read it. The law was a shadow. He took it away to establish the gospel of grace, Jesus Christ. The finished work, the perfect sacrifice. You see that? He got rid of the law. The Bible says, for Christ is the end of the law to those who believe for righteousness. Do you believe? You're not under law anymore. Right? Um, by that way, we have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ. How many times, guys? Once and for all. I was thinking about our friend that we had that conversation with when I read this. Our sins have been completely forgiven once and for all. Are you with me? Once and for all. If there's a time where you die and you're going down, you run off a cliff and you got like eight seconds to get it all out, instead of trying to get all your sins out, start thanking them for all that you have. You're going to heaven. If you accepted Jesus, what if you forget one? You think God's going to send you to hell because you forgot a sin? Your sin has been paid for, church. It's a new and living way. All right? Uh, once and for all, love that. And every priest stands ministering daily and offering repeatedly the same sacrifices, which can never take away sins. Back then, the priest stood. Stood. You know why they were standing? Because they were working. You know why the angels sat? You know why Jesus sat at the right hand of God? Finished work. You want to keep working your butt off to get to heaven? Or do you want to just thank God for letting you come back to him because of Jesus? You have an invitation. Everybody has an invitation. But if you've accepted Jesus, you are already sealed by the Holy Spirit. And your sin can't take that away from you. Your sin is not greater than what Jesus did on the cross. Whoo, almost done. Uh, say, uh, but, this, but, oh, I love this. But this man. Say that. No, say it like I said it. But this man, <laughs> Jesus, right? This man, I love the but this man. You, if somebody comes at you with bad news, you say, but this man. Amen? Somebody gets in your head and says, hey, man, you don't deserve that. But this man. But this man. But this man, after he had offered, you, how many times is Christ going to die for sin? Once. After he offered uh, 
one sacrifice for sins for? What, what, you, you mean I'm forgiven forever? Yes. Yes, you are. Yes, you are. Forgiven forever. <laughs> forever? Forever, ever? Forever, ever. After he had offered one sacrifice for sins, sins. That's plural. I went to GHS, but I'm pretty sure that's plural. Sins forever. He sat down at the right hand of God. All those old, those pastors that are over here in the tabernacle of Moses continuing to work, sacrifice. Jesus is seated. A seated is a place of rest. And we can understand that we are seated in the heavenly places. That's where our rest comes from. That's where our peace comes from. Woo! Lord have it. This is good news, church. Right? From that time, waiting till his enemies are made his footstool. For by one offering, he has perfected forever those who are being sanctified. That's you, church. He perfected you. When your spouse says, you're not perfect, you say, yes, I am. You better go read Hebrews. <laughs> For by one offering, he has perfected Troy forever. <laughs> I'm just joking. No, I'm not joking. That's true. I am perfected. All right? But the Holy Spirit also, just as Jesus, just in case Jesus wasn't enough for you, the Holy Spirit also, also, um, witnesses to us for after he had said before, this is the covenant that I will make with them after those days. Remember, in those days, what's he going to raise up? The tabernacle of David. This is that covenant. This is that covenant after those days, says the Lord. I will put my laws in their hearts and in their minds. I will write them. So the Ten Commandments, you get, people say you got to memorize the Ten Commandments. No, God says I'm going to put new laws in your heart. New laws. I'm going to put them in your heart. See, the law is always about something that you should do. It always points to man. You shall not. You shall not. You shall not. Under grace, God says, I will, I will, I will. Amen? Isn't that beautiful? All right. Uh, then he adds, their sins, this is important for somebody in this room right now, their sins and their lawless deeds, I will remember. Wow. How can a holy God say that? Because of what we just read. Jesus, one sacrifice. Now God says, man, your sins and your lawless deeds, I'll remember no more. Double negative, which means <laughs> never, ever, never, ever. It, it literally says never, ever, never, no, no, not ever. It's a double negative. That's how important it is. You got to know that God doesn't remember your sin. Even when you sin in the moment, God forgets it. You know why? Because he sees you covered by the blood of Jesus. Does that make you want to sin more? No, that makes you very thankful. If you truly experience that kind of grace, and you see how bad you are, but you know he sees you under the blood of Jesus. Man, you feel that love that he has for you. That sets you straight, which is what we're all looking for. The more you sin, confess, sin, confess, you'll never get out of that until you realize that you've been forgiven and perfected forever. Nothing you can do can stop love, God's love from coming upon you. Nothing. Because it's what Jesus did. I love that. All right? Therefore, brethren, it's only 11.32. I still got 30 minutes. I'm just joking. I'm just joking. I'm just joking. We're almost done. You see it in the back of your bulletin. 
Therefore, brethren, having boldness, there it is. Now, that's why we can have boldness, because, because God doesn't remember your sin anymore. So now you can go into the Holy of Holies. Now you have access to God through Jesus. See that? Now, where there is remission of these, there is no longer an offering for sin. You know why there's no longer an offering for sin? Because sin's paid for. But some people think they still, they still got to come down here and, man, I'm so sorry. You, you, what? Think about this. They call it the altar. What was sacrificed on the altar? Sacrificial lambs. They're still wanting you to come down and sacrifice at the altar by confessing your sin. Bring your lamb down here. He's saying, stop doing that. Christ was your lamb. Just receive it. All right. David had a son. Anybody know his name? Well, he had quite quite a few of them. One of them you probably shouldn't have had. But anyway, he had... (laughs) He had a son, starts with an S, ends with an Alleman. Anybody know? Solomon, there you go, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> so Solomon, Solomon was following after David, right? David, David, his, his father had a tabernacle, right? And there's two tabernacles. How far apart are they? Most commentators say they're about six miles apart. One doesn't have Jesus, one is the ark, which is Jesus, right? So look, look at this story here. You, the story is familiar. You'll see it in a second. So, and so Solomon loved the Lord, walking in the statutes of his father David, except, except, here it is, except that he sacrificed and burned incense at the high places. There's one thing, that's why it's so important to say except. David, instead of doing that at the tabernacle of David, Solomon, he chose to do it at the tabernacle of Moses, right? You see that? That's what that means, right? All right. Now the king went to Gibeon. Say Gibeon. Gibeon to sacrifice there. Gibeon is is the mount where where the the tabernacle of Moses was. Okay, that's the the region it was in. The tabernacle of Moses, where all the sacrificial rituals are going on, that's where Gibeon is. Are you with me? All right. To sacrifice there, for that was the great high place. Back then, the great high place was Mount Sinai. You with me? Solomon offered a thousand burnt offerings on that altar. At Gibeon, the Lord appeared to Solomon in a dream by night, and God said, ask, what shall I give you? How many of you guys are like, God, please come to my dream tonight and ask me that question? Anybody know? You know why he doesn't do that anymore? Because the Bible says, church, we have all things that pertain to life. Like we have them. Right now. It just takes us trusting the Lord. Having faith that he's going to make everything work out for our good. Amen. So, uh, what shall I give you? And Solomon said, you have shown great mercy to your servant David, my father. Because he walked before you in truth, in righteousness, and in uprightness of the heart with you. Is that true? Did David mess up a few times? One in particular. (laughs) This is the one everybody points out. All right? Uh, So, but but notice how how Solomon speaks of him. Right? He speaks out truth. He speaks out life. He didn't point out where David failed all those times. Right? 
and in uprightness of the heart with you. You have continued this great kindness for him, and you have given a son to sit on his throne as it is this day. Now the Lord, my God, you, you have made your servant king instead of my father David, but I am a little child. I do not know how to go out or come in, and your servant is in the midst of your people whom you have chosen, a great people, too numerous to be numbered or counted. Therefore, give your servant an understanding heart to judge your people, that I may discern between good and evil. For who is able to judge this great people of yours? This, the speech pleased the Lord that Solomon had asked this thing. You guys remembering this story now? Right? Then God said to him, because you have asked this thing and have not asked uh, long life for yourself, nor have you asked riches for yourself, nor have you asked the life of your enemies, but have asked for yourself understanding to discern justice. Behold, I have done according to your words. See, I have given you a wise and understanding heart, so that there has not been anyone like you before you, nor shall any like you arise after you. And I have also given you what you have not asked, both riches and honor, so that there shall be, not be anyone like you among the kings all your days. So if you walk in my ways to keep my statutes and my commandments as your father David walked, then I will lengthen your days. This is going to be awesome. Y'all ready to receive this? It's going to be awesome. Then Solomon awoke. Now where was he? He was over in the old covenant, Gibeon, sacrificing in the, the, the tabernacle of Moses. But what happened when he woke up? And indeed, it had been a dream. And he came to Jerusalem and stood before Dad, gummit, that's good. He was over here, but Jesus wasn't there. The ark wasn't there. When he received wisdom, he immediately went for Jesus. He immediately went to the ark where the, 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 the grace was, the tabernacle of grace, the mercy seat. Isn't that beautiful? He came there. He went to the ark of the covenant of the Lord, offered up burnt offerings, offered peace offerings, and made a feast for all his servants. That's why I want you to know, man, the minute you receive wisdom, the minute you get the wisdom from God, you, you go straight for Jesus. You're not messing with the law. The problem was he was over here sacrificing, and, and he got so confused and crazy about not being qualified to judge people there was no riches for him. There was no honor for him. He's just going through the motions. But there's something missing. Jesus was not there. Over here, the ark, there's none of that sacrificing, right? There's no, there's no inner out of court. It's wide open, free access. He came there to meet with Jesus. So church, I'm telling you, it's important that you understand the mercy seat, that God has forgiven you completely of all your sin. There is therefore now, now, say now, no condemnation for you in Christ Jesus. If God is not holding your sin against you anymore, you should not be holding your sin against you anymore. When you stumble, look up and say thank you. When you fall, just with your own mouth, say thank you, Father, for my complete forgiveness. 
How many of you have ever fallen and then said to yourself, I promise I will not do that again? Some of you are like, last night. Right? Man, you're putting yourself back under works. I, I, I. Whenever you keep saying I, that's why God gave the Ten Commandments to the people. Because they were saying, anything God says we can do, we can do it. Let us perform. Let us earn it. God said, if you really want that, here you go. Exodus 19, read that. But man, what Jesus did, he finished the work. We're not under that anymore. So all, all we can do, the, the most humbling thing you can do is not confess your sin, but confess Jesus as the payment for your sin. Amen? Stand up and give him a praise, church. Stand up, give him a praise. He has completely finished the work for you. For you. He did it for you. He's for you. If he's for you, there's nothing that can be against you. We have hope. We have a confident expectation of good coming our way. Not because of what we do or what we see in the natural, but because we're trusting the Lord. <clears throat> I'm hitting puberty. We're trusting the Lord to meet our needs, to take care of us. He always has, church. You look back at your life when you think that he wasn't there. He was there. Or you wouldn't be here. We celebrate. We rejoice in those moments. We are very thankful for what he's done for us and what he continues to do for us. That's why he deserves our praise and our worship. It's who he is. So if you have a prayer request, I encourage you to, 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 to seek out one of the, the pastors here at this church, Pastor Dwayne, myself. There's other people, there's elders in this church that will pray over you. Just don't leave here with a burden. Hopefully you know by now that God loves you and has walked this thing out before you even knew about it. Amen? But we would love to pray with you. If you, if you don't know who Jesus is, <laughs> you, that, I, that would have to be impossible if you sat in this room. Amen? All the wonderful good he's done. The Bible says, confess Jesus, believe in your heart, God raised him from the dead, and you shall be saved. That God made it simple. Amen? We would love to pray that prayer over you. We would love to remind you of what the Bible says. We, no one's going to have you come down here and confess that you're a sinner. It does not say you have to confess you're a sinner to be saved. It says you need to confess Jesus as your sin payment. That's what Savior means. He saved you from what? Your sin. Your sin debt. Amen? We would love to pray that prayer with you. If you're looking for a church, this is who we are. It's how we act. <laughs> Take it or leave it. No, it's so <laughs> don't judge the church by this judge it by what the Lord says through us amen Pastor Dwayne man he's a worship guy he comes up and he preaches he's gonna, if, if I'm not here and he's the one doing it it's going to be the same message we believe completely in the power of the gospel of grace so we're on the same page the elders are on the same page the people of this church are on the same page if this is something you're looking for all you got to do is come out here fill out a W-2 and we'll get back with you we just want to know how much money you make so we can know what to expect. I'm just joking. I'm just joking. I'm just joking. The, when that stuff starts to come out, that's when I know it's time for Pastor Dwayne to come up here and, and pray a blessing over you. <laughs> hey, he's going to pray scripture over you. He's going to pray life over you. Receive it by saying amen. Amen. Let's, let's pray, church. Father God, we thank you so much for your word today. Father, we thank you for giving us, again, just 
ears to hear, hearts to receive, Father. Thank you for revelation, God. Thank you for the manifestation. Thank you for bringing things to pass in our lives, Father, that just point us right back to you and remind us of your faithfulness and all the things that you have done through Jesus. We thank you for his finished work, Father. We thank you uh, for the cross of Christ. We thank you, Father, for the mercy seat. God, we thank you for giving us access. Thank you for making us worthy, even though we don't deserve, Father. You made us worthy through your Son, and we just bless you, and we thank you. And God, I just speak life over this congregation, over this body of believers, Father, over our community. Father, I speak life. I speak health. I speak healing, restoration, power, joy. Father, and I pray, Lord, that that we will all just receive all the many blessings, Father, that you have provided for us. You've reminded us today that you have given us all things that pertain to life. And now we just simply wait on the Lord, trust you, and know that you are for us. That all that we need is all wrapped up in the resurrected Savior. And so, Father, we bless you today. We thank you for equipping us with this word with this knowledge, with this wisdom, Father. And we thank you for the opportunity to share this good news, to share this gospel of grace that is the power of God to salvation for all who believe. All this we speak and ask in Jesus' name. Let the church say amen. 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 We are dismissed.